scripture that comes up in my heart right now falls in line with what we were just singing. The word says in Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciple, his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked, and this is what God's asking all of us, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon Peter, you're blessed, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn it from a human being, and now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And then I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Let me pray over you. Father, right now, if we've built anything in our life, our marriage, our finances, our children, our job place, if we built anything in our life not on the Word of God, forgive us, God. And we will purpose to do that. And, and right now, just like the Word says, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I just come against any foul attack upon your mind, your body, your finances, your, your, your chemicals. In the name of Jesus, devil, shut up. And I command you to bow at the name of Jesus and just get out. Get out of there. And now, Father, we bind hell and we lose heaven. We lose heaven in our lives, in our families, in this church, in the region of churches that my wife and I oversee, in our leaders' lives. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. We're built on the rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail in Jesus' name. I'm so tempted to have you guys turn around and greet each other, but uh, can you do that without touching each other and sort of wave? All right, you may be seated. Just wave at somebody while you're having your seat. Thank you so much, praise team. Wonderful job. This is a very special service that we have. Every service we have is very special. Um, the 9 o'clock service was just wonderful, and we ministered a different message there, and you will be able to hear that if you go online. Yes. <laughs> it sounded like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> I don't know why I had that image. But, um, but we'll be bringing that information that sermon, it's just a critical sermon because we're looking at having peace in some very tough times.
peace that passes all understanding that will us, help us navigate and move forward. But today, for those of you who are online for the first time or many of you who have watched our services online and we welcome you this morning, those who are here for the first time physically and uh, those who are here uh, maybe as family to, to be and stand behind those that are getting ordained today, we welcome you. Let's give everybody a hand for being here this morning, yeah. When you have an ordination service, I will be talking to the center section of ministers. You have to understand something. In order for somebody to be ordained, they should be doing what an ordained person is doing before they get ordained. It's just we lay hands on them and it's sort of like um, water baptism. It's a outward expression of an inward work already done. So all the folks that we are ministering to today and order, ordaining today are over key areas of ministry. And I want to just share a message with them, but please take these words personally to you as well. So it's important that when we come to certain things in the church, such as ordain people to the work of the ministry, we do not simply follow a ceremony. There's something greater that's taking place here this morning for the sake of tradition, but rather we understand what we're doing. And so the ordination service is where we publicly accept the call of really what you're already doing and, and uh, on your life. And I, I believe that as my wife and I pray over you, you're going to be able to function in that area in a greater way, right? So we can serve more people, we can raise up more teams, and we can help a whole lot more people as we move forward in the days to come. So the ordination service is where you publicly accept the call of God on your life, that you commit to fulfill it. And the Greek word translated ordain in the King James Version means it could be better translated appoint. You have an appointment. You have God mandates. Uh, you know, first service I was talking about how when you're out of the will of God, you have no peace. But when you're fulfilling your assignment, when you're on your appointment and you're doing what you know you're supposed to be doing, oh, thank God for peace. Thank God for peace. When Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and what? Ordained you. He used a word meaning, I appoint you. I delegate responsibility to you. There's coming a grace and an anointing that will help you fulfill the diverse uh, responsibilities of someone being ordained. A point or place is what Jesus meant. In both the Old Testament and New Testament, leaders were appointed and they were set apart in a special way. Paul and Barnabas were set apart as missionaries by the church at Antioch. Acts 14.23 says, they had the disciples in each church choose spiritual leaders, and with prayer and with fasting, they entrusted these leaders to the Lord in whom they've believed. There's a whole lot more people to Harvest Church that still have not come back 
because of COVID, and we respect you watching online. But every single week, more are coming to our 9 o'clock, more are coming to our 11 o'clock, and, and again, we respect you wearing a mask if you want to or not. But we've got quite, quite a few people that it requires me to raise up leaders that'll do the functions of the work of the ministry with us. Acts chapter 6, there were seven men who were set apart as deacons, and you might say, what is a deacon? You know what deacon means? Servant. It's just, I'm a deacon, now look at everybody serve me. No, you, no if you're not serving, you'll never be a deacon. Right? Really, really, when, when I was sent out from St. Peter's some 23 years ago, when Bishop brought me before my wife and I before the congregation, there should have been a witness that there's fruit on these people's lives to do what he's getting ready to send us out to do. Right? And we, we followed the example of what we're doing here this morning. We're appointing you, and you are sent in your particular areas. In Acts 6, 1 through 7, this is in God's words translation, at, at that time, as the number of disciples grew, say with me, the number of disciples are growing. You remember, if you were here last, last uh, Sunday, I said, let's, let's believe God for just in your world, inviting one person to church and planting them into Harvest Church just by caring about them and inviting them. Anybody go, hold up their hand with me? I'm going after my one. By faith, I believe I receive it. There are many people in this church because of my wife and I just being regular people in the world. So at times, at this time, the number of disciples grew, grew speaking, uh, Greek-speaking Jews complained about the Hebrew-speaking Jews, and the Greek-speaking Jews claimed that the widows among them were being neglected, and every day when the food or other assistance was distributed, they were neglected. And then the 12 apostles called all the disciples together and told them, it's not right for us to give up God's Word in order to, to distribute food. So, brothers and sisters, choose seven men whom the people know are spiritually wise, and we will put them in charge of this problem. However, we will devote ourselves to praying and to serving in the way that is related to the Word of God. You know, because we have so many good leaders and, and more are coming, it's enabled us to, um, we've done everything. I mean, everything in the ministry that you can imagine. We've done that. And we're, and we're not above doing that if there's a need even now. But, uh, but if, if, if you had to be us ministering to all these people, the biblical example is to raise up others that'll help. So the 12 apostles called all the disciples together and told them, it's not right for us to give up God's word nor to distribute food. So, brothers and sisters, choose seven, among, seven men among whom the people know are spiritually wise. We'll put them in charge of this problem. However, we will devote ourselves to praying and to serving in ways that are related to the Word. This suggestion pleased the whole group. You know that's God. 
I say, you know that's God. If something pleases everybody, that is God. <laughs> and because uh, some of you in here are saying it's too cold. Or and then others are too hot. Then the music was too loud. Then it's too... Anyway, uh, I talked about peace in the first service. You can go back there and get some yourself if you need to. But however, we will devote ourselves to praying and to serving in ways that are related to the Word. My wife and I, because our number one role is leadership development and helping you fulfill the work of the ministry so it can bring increase to the body of Christ, that's Ephesians 4, we're able to operate at a higher level of vision, a higher level of um, being able to raise up other people and pour our life into them. We pour leadership development and pastoral things into our, into our staff every single week, into our region of ministers every single month, into Wednesday nights. We have a biblical leadership night dedicated just to stir up the leadership that's within you. And now, because we have those ordained, we'll be meeting with them periodically because we, we need to pastor them and um, help them fulfill the will of God for their lives. So the suggestion pleased the whole group. Come on, let's give yourself a hand. Everybody clap. Yeah, we, we believe this is a good thing. So they chose Stephen, who was a man, what? Full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And they chose Philip, Prochorus, Nikonor, Timon, Man, I just looked at that and said, Parmesan cheese. <laughs> I, I, I thought it. I guess I shouldn't have spoke it. But um, Nicholas, uh, who had converted to Judaism in the city of Antioch, and the, the disciples had these men stand in front of the apostles, which we will do here shortly, who prayed and placed their hands upon them, and God's word continued to spread. And the number of disciples did what? In Jerusalem grew very large. A large number of priests even accepted the faith. So an ordination service, to be very clear, is a setting apart of a person for ministry that fits the New Testament. The practice of ordination is both practical and necessary for any church to grow. How many want to reach as many people as we possibly can? How many want to plunder hell and populate heaven? That's going to take all of us working together and allowing ourselves to give our supply and whatever we can do in volunteering, that adds increase to the body. Ordination symbolizes God's call to ministry. The candidate is committed and committing themselves to the ministry in the will of God and the church's approval of the candidate for the ministry. On the part of the church, the ceremony is an act of approval. My wife and I have been walking with uh, all these that will ordain right shortly, and we've been walking with them for years. And we would not have asked them to be ordained if they didn't have the fruit that demanded it and the responsibility that it takes to have pastoral care <clears throat> in serving capacities there. It's an acknowledgment that God has bestowed certain gifts and has called the individual to service. Ordination does not impart any rights or qualifications. You already have them. You're producing them. 
But when we lay hands on you, we believe you'll produce at a higher level because God's going to minister to you. Two important things that need to be kept in mind in reference to ordination. First of all, the church should not hastily ordain an individual, which we have not. It should also be certain that they have the qualifications to serve in the office, whether it's a pastor or a support ministry, deacon, servant, minister. And here are some of the qualifications that we're going to listen to today and speak today. And when you hear these different things, let's come up. Come on, say with me, I'm going to come up. I'm going to become more like Jesus today. Remember, now I'm talking to these folks here, but also we get in on the conversation and we're going to grow. A person being ordained has to be a person of honest report. In other words, a good reputation among those in the church. They're not one way when they're up here doing announcements and all of a sudden you get to see them in the trenches. You're like, oh my goodness, if that's leadership, I sure don't want that. John Maxwell said, they are quick to improve those areas that damage their integrity. We do fruit inspection here in our own lives. We examine ourselves daily, stay in good standing with our Father, step up higher. And in leadership, really, uh, when, when you take on that position of leadership, you're, you're in a glass house. And we expect more out of people that are mature fulfilling certain functions. Because I wouldn't want to do anything personally. I wouldn't want to do anything, my wife and I, out in public, at a restaurant or this, that, or the other, that would cause someone to say, oh, if they're doing that, I'll do that. I have a very, um, I'm just going to say it, I have a very strict standard on alcohol. Because first of all, when you when you get under the alcohol, I'm talking about in leadership, all of us, really. When you get under the influence of alcohol, you make bad decisions. There's probably not one thing you did growing up in a bad decision that didn't, that didn't have uh, alcohol or drugs involved or marijuana or whatever. You might say, well, I like marijuana. Well, move to Colorado. <laughs> There's places that they let... Yeah, anyway, that wasn't good. Uh, You know, I, my wife and I, personally, we don't drink publicly or even privately because we want to be able to say, hey, I've never, we've been pastoring for about 30 years, in the ministry about 33 years. We have not one time seen something good come out of a bad habit of alcoholism. My dad was one thread away for dying as an alcoholic. His dad died at, when my dad was 10 of alcoholism. So, by, you know, I, I just have a pretty tough stand on that. Well, drinking won't send me to hell. Well, it could cause you to influence somebody that wouldn't have done it, but they saw you do it. Now they have a habit. Now they have an addiction. Now they hit somebody uh, head on and killed somebody in a car wreck. All right. Well, anyway, it's just not worth it. 
All right, these folks, I'm talking to you now, have to be full of the Holy Spirit, bigness of good character in spiritual outlook and personal dedication, full of wisdom, an ability to discern right and wrong and stand for their convictions. Those we're ordaining today, and all this is in Acts chapter 6, one by one, also they're full of faith like Stephen's. A deacon's faith requires them to risk themselves and their possessions. They need to be grave, which means possesses Christian purpose, who has great reverence for spiritual matters and whose word carries weight. There are people in your life, they promise you something, you even, you even scoff at it. You're like, that'll never happen. But how about you? How about me? As far as I know, I have never said something that was contrary or bad direction for me or my family. That's not for condemnation. I'm just saying there are certain things and assignments that when my wife and I were coming up different responsibilities, every time we were asked to do another position that might be uh, at a higher level of leadership, we came up to that level and we exceeded that level with character. Because what, what am I? I'm a servant. What are you? A servant. So their grave possesses Christian purpose who have great reverence for spiritual matters and whose word carries weight. They're not double-tongued. They're, de- they're dependable. They're honest in relating to all persons, publicly and privately. If you ever see any of our leaders in the trenches speaking something contrary to the Word of God, contrary to the vision of God, you, you bring it to us. I'm not saying we'll not miss it here and there, but we won't miss it in ways that we shouldn't. And the good thing about it is we, sh- we have a good heart in trying to do it. These type of people that are being ordained, they exhibit a warm and welcoming spirit. If you, if you want to be ordained but you don't like people, eh. <laughs> I, I've literally heard people say this before in ministry saying, I love the ministry, I just can't stand the people. I'm like, get out. Because what you can do is you can become like an emergency room where people really don't care because they see so much and they get calloused and conditioned to not really touch you at your most critical need. Well, I already talked about this, not giving them much wine, temperate in living, abstaining from alcoholic beverages, a good steward, a good influence, doing all to the glory of God. Is what you're doing, could Jesus be there with you and say, Jesus... I give you all the glory for what I'm doing right now. I give you all the praise, right? Maybe we need to get those wristbands out again. What would Jesus do? Not greedy of filthy lucre, a right attitude toward material possessions, a holder of the faith, gives strength to the church, spiritual integrity beyond reproach, tested and proved demonstrates their commitment to ministry 
before being elected, as I've said, already produces the fruit. People at St. Peter's, when we were sent out, they knew, said, we knew you were going to be sent out. We, we just knew it. We could just see it. They have a good Christian family. <clears throat> and they're blameless, a person against whom no charge or wrong can be brought with success. You know, that's why we say sometimes no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment is condemned. Because I know there's people that, you know, they're immature and sometimes talk privately against certain things. But if it's toward us, I just thank God. God protects us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. We tear off blinders so people can see our hearts. We believe that as you get closer to us, you'll like us more. Isn't that refreshing? Or have you gone to leadership and you start to get to know them, all of a sudden there's a blip and there's a blap and there's a, a blap blap. What is that? I, there's no interpretation for that. But there's things that are hitting you like, mm, mm. That's an indication you need to get away from people like that. Again, I'm not saying we're perfect, but we do have a right heart. We rule their children and their own house as well. Loved and respected by all family members, caring for them as Jesus cared for others and emboldened faith, holding firmly to what they believe. The candidate for ordination should first prove themselves to be qualified, as these have done, in character and in gifts for such ministry. Once an individual has been ordained, they should live exemplary Christian lives, show themselves to be maturing and growing as a leader in the service of Christ. Some of the responsibilities of those ordained is, first of all, serving and leading in whatever capacity they're assigned. They help with altar ministry or praying as you see times. Let me tell you, church, it's, it's been a while since we hadn't prayed over something that you folks were going through, and, and I need help, and, and because we can't be here all day, our, our, our ministers help us pray, and you get individual attention. You're not rushed. Come on, how many has ever needed, God, I need somebody to pray for me today? You ever had that? Well, we provide them for you. So also in prayer, they help us lead in prayer. They provide spiritual advice. They transition services. They have, and they do hospital visitation, home visits when needed, when shut in, weddings, funerals, uh, visit the shut-ins, like I just said, outreach, jail ministry, water baptism, ministering the Word when gifted. Not everybody would uh, fit in that teaching gift, but uh, some of them do. Romans 12, 1 through 12 says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is that too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how, 
how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. As God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your estimate towards yourself. Don't think more highly than you ought to think. I've seen people come under ministries that have been in the ministry 30 plus years and they learn something, then they think, you know, they learn a scripture or two and, and they, they now, but you can't teach me anything because I know more than you now. Uh, that's, that's not the way God moves. It's not. We grow in infancy as a toddler, young, uh, young youth, senior youth, young adults, grown-up men and women, and the elderly. We go through a process of learning up, growing up spiritually. So be honest in your estimation of yourself, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you, just as our bodies have many members, listen, and each has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of his one body, each of us having different work to do. I really love our team because they're complimenting, they're collaborating, they're, you know, we respect your area of ministry, and, and it is a great thing to do, develop, develop teams with that spirit. <clears throat> And since we are all one body, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. God has given us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak when you have faith that God's speaking through you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, sort of a ministry of, of successful business, share it generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of the good. Love each other with genuine affection. And that goes for all races all ages. One of the greatest comments we've received from Harvest Church from day one is that no matter who came, white, black, whatever, brown, whatever color you might come from, you felt welcomed. Grace has no race. God is bringing all, all, every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue and that's the type of church we are with the calling upon our life. You should see yourself strong in this church. I don't know a service that I don't say that. Number 11, never be lazy in your work. Good word, Pastor Coyne. That, well, that, you know, that's the Holy Spirit talking through me. <laughs> but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be glad for all God is planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always praying. We're going to have, in just a moment, I want to give you a few scriptures, and we're going to have a time that we call it in the names, they'll line up, and we're going to pray over them. But let me give you precedence. 
Acts 13 says, Now in, church, in the church at Antioch there were prophets who spoke a new message of God to the people. And teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, also, uh, who was called Niger, Lucius, and Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, Antipas, and Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were serving the Lord, listen, while they were serving the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, for the work with which I have called them. You're standing in not just us asking you to do things, but in God and his mandates and his appointment. I, I remember the day I was prayed over in an ordination service, and every ordination service that we experience, it's just such an honor to serve you. It's such an honor to serve in the ministry and, and make a difference. So then after fasting and praying, they laid hands on them in approval and dedication and sent them away on their first journey. Then Deuteronomy 34, 9 says, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Listen, why? For Moses had laid his hands upon him. Something was transferred in the doctrine of laying on of hands. This is one thing that is done. So Moses laid hands on them. So the people of Israel obeyed him and followed the commandments the Lord had given to Moses. We're expanding our ability to minister to you in excellence. And I will forever, my assignment is forever to continue to raise up more leaders to help them fulfill their purpose so that we can bless and be a blessing to other peoples. And Acts 6 it says, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God did what? Spread, and the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Call my wife up now, and she's going to uh, call the candidates up. reiterate what my husband said. It is an honor and privilege to ordain each and every one of you today to do life together, to do ministry together, that you know we have your back and we know you have our back. Yeah. It's, um, it brings a comfort and a safety when you know who you're doing ministry with, and we respect you highly. And everyone here today that serves in this house, we are honored and privileged to do ministry and life with you as well. So as I call the candidates up, um, if your spouse is with you, uh, please come stand with them as well. Hannah Coyne, if you'll come forward, please. Joseph Coyne. Leon Barber. Robert Spain. William Stokes, 
Judy Neal. Kurt and Nicole Witsit. Latina Robinson. Fabian McCune. And Michael McGee. And Carlos Guerrero. I'm going to ask you several questions, then I'll ask you to respond. Do you promise to walk worthily of your vocation to which you've been called, seeking always to bring honor to the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord? And do you promise to diligently and faithfully perform the duties of a minister of the gospel? With no thought of personal reward or honor, God always takes care of us. Having as your primary motives the winning of persons to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and the building up of the body, the church body, through inspiration, through good character, teaching, stewardship to the glory of God. Please acknowledge by saying yes. Now I want you to repeat this after me. I promise by the grace of God to live and minister so they may bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Matthew 20 and verse 25 says, Jesus called them to himself you know that the rulers of the Gentiles have absolute power and lord it over people. They dictate, they lord it over people. And their great men exercise authority over and uh, tyrannizing or tyrannizing them. Tyrannizing them. It is not this way among you. There's no such thing as looking down at people, no matter where they come from, no matter whether they're privileged or they're not. The Word talks about there's no amount of money in the whole world that could purchase this one soul. It's not going to be this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be willing and humble. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, paying the price to set them free from the penalty of sin. My wife's going to pray over you now, and I just remain standing and just be in the moment and just praise God just receive everything you need because we will be giving out certificates after we pray
your congregation, would you please stand? If you're comfortable just stretching out your hand toward these folks, we'd appreciate it in support for them. on the inside of Joseph are going to come up and be strong and very good and even amaze him. And Father, we thank you. Whatever anointing, whatever he needs to go to the next level and come up higher. executive directing. Father, he, working with our teams here, has really, we've laid a foundation for greater things ahead. Because many hands make a light load, we'll continually improve and we'll continually raise up more leaders to fulfill our mandates. In Jesus' name. Pray over Robert a servant's servant thank you for him and the giftings that you place on the inside of him so diverse he's done everything and Father we acknowledge that publicly in the name of Jesus thank you pray over William and the ways that are unique that he ministers it just helps others with a voice that they understand. So Father, thank you for what you've called both he and Tanya to, and Father, we bless them and we lay hands on them for any impartation necessary to be more effective. In the name of Jesus. Lay hands on Derek and, and Meredith, and we thank you thank you, Father, for them. We thank you for the supply that they bring to this church. We thank you, Father, that as we lay hands on, on Derek, we thank you for whatever is necessary to help him fulfill what you've called him to do and Meredith to do. Father, we thank you that is imparted in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the ministry of laying on of hands. Thank you. We're putting oil in our hands because it's a type of the Holy Spirit. And in anything we do for God, it is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. My wife and I could not do what we're called to do without having been raised up for many years, taught many years in every aspect of ministry that, again, you could imagine. But 
thank God it requires us having a relationship with the Holy Spirit to get it done. So Father, we thank you for that relationship of the Holy Spirit. With Reverend Judy, in Jesus' name, whatever is necessary for her latter years to be the best years. strength through her body and mind and thank you Father for the path that she's on in Jesus name Father we pray over Kurt and Nicole in the name of Jesus we bless them thank you for all the areas they've been assigned in this ministry and they've done nothing but said yes thank you we recognize that. We call that out. And Father, we thank you for the current assignments you have for their lives. And Father, whatever is necessary for them to fulfill the full will of God, we praise you for in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We receive together greater anointing, greater grace. Father, we lay hands on Latina and Ron. Father, we thank you for the manifold gifting she has for children and being a leader of leaders. Father, we thank you for the, the anointing just to multiply workers so we can serve these kids second to none. Father, we look to you whatever is necessary to fulfill her purpose in Jesus' name. Father, we pray over Fabian and, and, and Bethany. God, again, we thank you for all the different things that you have had them train in, and we're so blessed to have them here at Harvest for the past couple of years. God, they fit so well, and God, thank you for all their experience in the past. They share it with us and we improve. So, Father, we just ask you and thank you for whatever's necessary for them to be able to operate at a higher level of effectiveness and mandate and, and fulfillment of, of your mandates, God, and helping us raise up that next generation. God, we see... JV, young youth and varsity kids, all the youth, Father, there's something special upon this group of youth. I'll tell you that, you guys. I, they, there's something different upon this, this, this youth group now. Father, thank you for helping Fabian and Bethany with the anointing to move ahead in Jesus' name. Father, we lay hands on Michael, Cana, right now, and God, anything and everything will be needed for him to be effective in his appointment, in his God mandate. God, I just thank you for the anointing coming to a higher level to help them noticeably come up higher, distinctly, and with confidence. 
in the name of Jesus. Father, we lay hands on Carlos and Christina, been with us for so many years, done so, so many things in the ministry that no one would ever know. We bless them and we lay hands on them or whatever's necessary to be imparted today. We simply lay hands on them and we say receive in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'll just remain standing here, we're going to give out Certificates, and they actually have a, a card where they carry, will allow them into ICU, ICU units and anywhere they need to go on our behalf because a lot of people that uh, need ministering to at times, and we do it as a team. You can go ahead and have a seat. Well, look, Harvest Church, I'm going to ask these ordained folks to turn around and we present to you uh, a new, new people to our team. God bless all of you who are ordained, and you know what your middle name is, don't you? Servant. Servant. Never forget that. We emphasize here at Harvest Church, servant leadership. Always have that servant in front of your leadership. My wife and I believe in you. We trust you. and We send you to your respective areas with, with a greater greater anointing to fulfill them. God bless you as you have a seat. Thank you. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you again for what we've witnessed today, what we've been a part of. And again, my wife and I are so, so honored that you would send such beautiful people to us and Help us help them fulfill the will of God for their life. Father, thank you. We can be more effective in the work of the ministry. And Father, we can, my wife and I, we, we, we do certain things in that pastoral care, but there's only so much we can do. So thank you for this team that is well-suited and they're well-trained to do the work of the ministry. Father, as we get ready to dismiss... I just want to make sure if all, any of you here today, God forbid something would happen to you, think about that condominium in Florida, five dead, 156 missing still. 
I'm not speaking that on your life. I'm just saying that's a bad position to be in if you don't know Jesus. If you're here today and if you're to die today, you know you go to heaven. Absolutely know. If you don't know or maybe you're concerned about it, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. So bow your head for a moment, and I would like for you to raise your hand. If you say, Pastor Klein, would you include me in this prayer? Just raise your hand, and when I see you, you can put it right down. I'm looking to the right or to the left right now. Is anybody next? I see a hand right there. Thank you. Another one over here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Looking to my left, your right. Just give me a moment. Let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Say it with me. God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I I believe He died for all of my sin because He lived sinless. I believe He was crucified. I believe He died. According to the Scriptures, He went into the portals of hell to pay my death penalty. The wages of my sin was death, and Jesus died for me. And I believe on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead, and Jesus, your Savior and Lord over this world, but today I want, I want to make you mine. In the name of Jesus, come into my heart, Jesus. I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my Lord. I renounce my past. I have a new future. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Let's give a great hand.